and welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast, along with my partners Brian Siegler and Jonathan Talley. I am Curtis Wilson, and this episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeremy Counts down at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, your friendly neighborhood pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, Blacksburg, Virginia. Boys, it's tough for me to say because we've been working on this one for a while. To have yep. this episode yeah um, for a bit man for at least since uh last remember? spring yeah. in, in some ways last spring <laughs> in some ways last spring um but i, I don't want to waste any time because we got a lot of questions to ask him he is a busy young man um an all academic young man shout out kyron making that list man but bring him on our guest tonight your quarterback one Virginia Tech Hokies, Kyron Drones. Kyron, how are you this evening? I'm good. How about you? Doing good, man. Doing good. He won. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> you funny, Tally. You funny. Tally said it. <laughs> Tally said it. He did say it, man. I ain't even lie. Well, Kyron, man, man you gotta be a you gotta be a bad man to, to even get number one. Y'all understand what kind of bullseye it puts on you when you get that number one? <laughs> it ain't talking about where you at in the depth chart. When you wear that number one, hey, you the dude. That's you the man. So I'm just saying, go ahead, Curtis. Go ahead, Curtis. <laughs> well, Kyron, you are the man right now. And man, we've got a lot of stuff we want to ask. And again, we appreciate you taking your time. Um, I'm gonna throw some up here real quick. That's right, QB1 in the house with us. And let's just start straight out. How are winter workouts going for you so far? And we saw yesterday y'all started Hunger Games. Um, how's that going for you as well? Uh, winter workouts have been fine. Before Hunger Drill started, it was just uh, lifting and running. So that's been like just the normal lifting and running. And then Hunger Drill started Tuesdays, every Tuesday and Thursday. So we back at it tomorrow. But uh, the first day, it was it was good. It wasn't up to Coach uh, Price standards, but – it was good. It's just a bunch of competition, one-on-ones. You trying to get a win every time you go. So they tally up the wins. So, you know, you get the bragging rights every time when you see that. So it's just a good day, good morning of competition. You know, ha- ha- having been a coach at one point, there's no way coach is going to let day one be yeah. a good day. He's he going to have to give you something to grow on. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't real happy on day one. So you got to make that day two better. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Tyler. How cold, how cold do it get in that Beamer barn? Hey, it, it, <laughs> it's different. It's, we still waiting on the heater. Hopefully we get that by uh, spring ball so we ain't got to deal with that. But uh, it's way colder in the indoor than it is outside, I can tell you. Yeah, that. what I heard. No, no, wait a minute. The coaches aren't sneaking on y'all. The heaters aren't ready to go. They just ain't cranking them up to give y'all a little harder <laughs> time in there, are they? I don't think anybody would just be cold in there. <laughs> <laughs> I like hearing that. Yeah, you, you got you to have something to, to fight, right? They got to make it cold so you got something to fight. Yeah. All right. Uh, let, let's let's flip it to some football real quick. Um, you know, season started last year. Um, you know, started in the fall. You were number two on the depth chart, but you kept working, kept your confidence up, got an opportunity. Um what did you do personally to kind of keep that confidence high during the season when you weren't named the starter to start 2023? Uh, I just believed in myself. Uh, basically, all I can do. Uh, I started – sometimes I went to uh, one of our therapists uh, 
to like get myself going through just a fall camp, but uh, that was before the decision happened. And I just believed in myself knowing that all I got to do is work hard and my time is going to come. And I just believed in God's uh, journey for me. And I knew my time was going to come at some point in the season. I didn't know when it was going to come, but I know when my number was called, I wasn't going to look back. And that's what, I, that's what happened. Yeah, j- just know that uh, everybody on this podcast had you at QB1 coming out of spring and, and stayed that path the whole way, man. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you stuck with it. And when you got your chance to shine, you did big things. I appreciate you. Now, yeah, another man. thing I'll say real quick. Go ahead. We were all three in the house when you did get that opportunity at the end of the Purdue game, man. And the way you zipped the ball and Tally, go ahead. I know you're going, I know you want to talk about that run. Yeah, no, man. I mean, it, shoot, he did it. He know what it is. I mean, we sitting in there. <laughs> we done went through a monsoon. You know, we done been fighting the elements as well as y'all. I done snuck down to the sideline. I'm, I think I could have reached out and touched y'all. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was up at the top when it started. So when we get in there, I'm like, hey, they got to give my boy a chance. Just give him a chance. Just give him an opportunity. And then I have been hearing all of the, you know, that's the whole another time. He ain't ready. He can't throw. This and that. You get in, you complete the pass to um, to the tight end across the middle. Oh, he can throw a little bit. Then you get the run where you break free. Again, offense had been moving. Uh, you break free, hit the sidelines. You said, no, nah, I don't want to go out of bounds. We got a cornerback. We got a, we got a cornerback over here. Let me go ahead and see. Let me go ahead and see how, how tough he is. Lord, just shoulder. How how'd that make you feel? I was it was it was a good feeling, but I was definitely trying to get out of bounds. He, just <laughs> he said he was in the way. <laughs> I was sprinting straight towards out of bounds, though. He just got me last minute, so I had to do something like when I run, I don't want to ever get uh delivered to hit. So if I know I'm gonna yeah. get hit, I'm gonna deliver it first. Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> and what, what we loved about that as fans, man, and watching you and being in the, you know, being in the stadium and even feeling it. You know, it wasn't just that, you know, you delivered the hit. It was the mentality that we've been missing on this team for a while. It was, you know, we've been the we've been the nail for a long time. I ain't gonna say a long time, but it's been some years before we had that attitude of we can go out and we can deliver those hits. And um, you know, it wasn't just what you did physically when you, you know what I'm saying, you came with the impact. It was I think it was Tucker Holloway on the sideline with you, like you got up and you kind of start going about your business and you can see him gain some confidence as well. So, you know, just that mentality, man, was cool to watch play out. But, uh, I mean, it kind of take us to our next question, watching you do stuff like that. And, you know, even in the spring game when we were in the house, um, they doing this two-hand touch thing. You know, you know, you get somebody <laughs> to break free and come and tap you on the back. And I'm like, that ain't going to take him down. So I guess the question would be like, how, how many times was you begging them to take that non-contact off so they can really see what you can do in practice? Oh, you guys, Coach Pry asked me all the time. And <laughs> the defense asked me, uh, they, they don't want me live because I be talking trash knowing like when I'm running, <laughs> like that's not going to be a tackle. And they swear it is. But uh, I hate the two-hand touch because sometimes Pry caught a whistle too fast. Just because he get too close to me. But, uh, yeah, I don't like it at all. Sometimes I wish I was just live. Like, before I was QB1. Right now, like, everybody know what it is. So, if you think you made that tackle, then you made that tackle. But Protect that man now. We, <laughs> hey, you want two jerseys now. We yeah. need we needed you out over there first, but you want two of them now. Everybody knows what it is now. It, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I, 
Karen, I just love the mentality. As soon as they touch you, I'm sure it's immediately, you know, that ain't a tackle. You know, that's <laughs> not a tackle. You know, I'm not down right here. Come on now. You, do you ever just take the ball and move it up like eight yards and be like, coach, he might've brought me down here. He ain't going to bring me back back here. No, I'd be times where I argue with pride, but most of the time he <laughs> argue with pride, Coach Mar. But most of the time they agree with me. Like sometimes they agree, like he know that's not a tackle, but You're like we know. <laughs> it is what it is. It is. It is. All right, let's do this, man. What a what a finish to the season. Y'all blow the doors off the Cavaliers, get to Commonwealth Cup, keep it home, go up to uh, Annapolis where I attended to the Military Bowl. Great performance there in a monsoon of. <clears throat> in a monsoon up there. But then between that game and the bowl game, we start seeing the Twitter messages, guys coming back, you know, Jennings coming back, you know, your running backs coming back, more wide receivers coming back. And, you know, we start seeing this and it's like they're taking the step. Guys are staying. Guys aren't leaving. And what does that say not only about those players but the coaching staff, and then we want to know, you know, how much of a role did you have in that process? You know, how many conversations with, you know, guys like Ollie Jennings, um, guys like Jay Lane and saying, you know, look what we did, um, you know, starting here to the end of the season. Uh, for them guys to come back, at first to start off with the guys, they just know it's like a brotherhood uh, coming back and they know like we have a chance to be special like our, like you said our whole offense came back so uh we have a chance to be special to coaches that mean just they really love our they really love the coaches i love the coaches everybody love coach pride he like the coolest coach we can meet but uh that just says a lot about him and what he, the mentality that he brings to the team and, and what he's trying to build but uh my impact with ali and the rest of the guys, like, I'm real close with the people I transferred with just because we, like, got a group chat and all. But Ali, like, I'm the closest with him because, like, that's basically my roommate. Like, we live by ourselves, but we live right next door to each other. But uh, Ali just telling him to come back knowing, like, he got hurt the second game. And I know he came to Virginia Tech for a reason. He could have went to the league, but he wanted to prove that he could do it on the biggest stage. And then uh, Jay Lane, Quan, uh, Bayshaw, just them coming back just to be able to do the same thing, do it again. And then, like, the playoff getting to 12 teams, you make that playoff, the more you win, the more coaches going to look at you. Coaches look at you, that's a better opportunity for you to get to the league, get to where you want to be. So we get that going. We do we do we know we're capable of, get to winning games, get to be in that offense that we want to be, and then it's just better looks for everybody. Man, yeah, I, I love hearing that. That's awesome. That's that's awesome to hear. Um, lo- love hearing you kind of stepping up with a leadership role from that perspective and getting guys on board and saying, "All right, we got some unfinished business." And the better the better we come back and do it next year, the more that that kind of raises everybody's ship for the future, right? Yeah, it's basically a win-win situation for everybody. Virginia Tech win games, you get seen, you get to the goal you want to be in the league, and that's where everybody want to go in college football. So. It's a win-win situation. Yep. All right. All right. Poor Tally. Hold on, Tally. Real go ahead, quick. Go ahead. But before before Tally asks his question, we just gotta let you know we see him out there hollering at you. I think that's your mom. I know that's your dad right there. So <laughs> they are they, they are watching you live tonight. Um, got to do that. Your, your dad's been following us for a while, man. So we we appreciate that. Tally, floor is yours, my friend. Kevin, my guy. 
Miss Drones, how y'all doing? But yeah, man. So I know they're getting a little technical, asking you some some questions about the team and stuff. And I love that, man. I love the mentality that you that you have being a leader. But I gotta, you know, I gotta ask the the the, the fun questions. Um, I think I was the first person. I don't like patting myself on the back too much. But whenever we was watching the game and after the game, I'm like, that's the play of the season. When I see you, you make the long touchdown pass against uh, Pitt. And it may be like the first one of the game. And you running down the field the whole way. I'm talking about all three levels. Linemen, <laughs> linebackers, DBs. And you saying something. You ain't got to tell me exactly what you're saying. But I'm just asking kind of what's your go-to when something like that happened and we're doing a little trash talking, like what 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 we need to say? Because I'm trying to, you know, I'm finna go back and play a little bit of uh, touch football, so I want to know what I need to say on the field. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. That's always been me. Like, in the game, just – I've always – the game just always brings talking out of me. I don't really – don't be knowing what I be saying, but I know what I said uh, <laughs> to the D-lineman that time just because something happened before the game where, like, he followed me on Instagram before the game. And basically just like some pictures and I just told him don't ever do that again. Just like, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing it for because I'm not scared. Like, yeah, it might be whatever start it was, but you ain't going to scare me just by following me. But uh, right, just being in the game, like people say I might be quiet, which I am kind of quiet off the field. Uh, but during the game, I, I know I've been talking the most out of everybody on any team I've been on. So the game That's crazy. That's crazy, but I like it. So this ain't even on script. I'm gonna ask you something too, cause see, I'm an old guy now. So uh, I'm 38. So when I was playing football back in the early 2000s and 2003, like I listened to a lot of Texas music, but it was like Screw Music, Slim Thug, you know, Mike Jones, Swisher House, uh, Tom Tom, Fat Bastard, all of them. What kind of music? Like if I wanna if I wanna hear some good Texas music right now, who I need to listen to? Right now. Right now, I'll probably say this dude called uh, Big X the Plug. He out of Dallas. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know who Big. Now ain't that old Kyron, man. I, I mean, I got. <laughs> I don't really listen to like that many Texas people. It's just uh, Big X the Plug. He definitely one of them. But growing up, yeah. like, all the screw like that's all my dad listened to uh, growing up. So that's his. That's his go to. But yeah. Big X the Plug right now for sure. That's what's up. That's what's up. So we're going to pivot it back to football here a little bit. Um, you know, we, we've already mentioned we talked to your pops over the holidays, um, talked about the relationship forwards with Coach Bowen, um, you know, right when the transfer portal opened last year. Um, how did that relationship play into your role committing to Virginia Tech? And how have you kind of taken over as a leader based on that offense and your relationship with Bowen? Uh, the relationship started like, Basically, when he hit me up in the portal and then uh, first day the portal opened, he flew to Waco, had lunch with me. And then uh, I was just like, it was a good moment for like a coach to do that. Like the first day portal opened, that was his main priority. Like he wanted to see me. And then ever since I had lunch with him, it was just like an instant connection. He asked all the right questions. I asked him all the right questions and he gave me straight up answers. That's, not, that's all I want from a coach just being my second time doing the recruiting process, like I already know like what uh, what coaches be saying just to get you there. So I didn't want to hear that. Uh, and then just what when he told me what he wanted me to do in his offense, like he, his vision for me, it just grew me like 
it grew up on me like where I wanted to come visit Virginia Tech and then on a visit, like I knew that solidified it, especially uh when they played Inner Sandman and they showed me the video. Cause I ain't never seen nothing like that coming from Baylor. Like uh it, the atmosphere don't get like that. And I just love uh playing there and then my leadership role. Uh I just knew I had to grow. I knew I was a good like leader, like lead by example. I knew I had to grow uh vocally. So it's just been gradually growing. Uh, ever since then, especially when I first uh, got my first start in it every week, my leadership, uh, it grew. And then now it's just, it's at its peak right now, but I still got a ways to go. All right. I'm going I'm to ask, I'm going to pivot a little bit. Wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a fun question, Tally. All yeah, right. Let's go back. Let's go back. Game one, ODU, you, you've seen the entrance. You heard them play it the first time walking from Merriman as you're walking behind the north end zone around through the tunnel. What's that feeling like? Because when y'all are walking back there, the chance back and forth, the place is starting to rock. What's that feeling like? And then maybe go to the pit game because when you did first start and you were that QB one stepping out, what's that feeling like in that tunnel? Uh, yeah, the ODU game, it was cool, but it's like a different feeling when you know, like you coming out there to start. So like, mm-hmm. I know warming yep. up in the game, the the pit game. I know warming up, like I was just waiting to see that jumbotron where they announced like who QB one is, and then my uh, face pop up, and then I smile when that happened, and then going back out the tunnel, hearing that inner Sandman when you know you the starter, it's a different feeling. Like uh, I wouldn't say I would say it's, it's loud, but like I kind of like zone everything out. Like I run out, just look at all the stands, like. Every game is sold out, and you can tell, like, there's no seat empty in there. But uh, it's a crazy feeling. It's a great atmosphere, and I uh, enjoy the fans, and I'm glad they show out every weekend. Let me ask this. Since we're doing fun questions now, I'm going to get one in here. You, <laughs> you mentioned the atmosphere at Baylor. What, what, what's more crazy, a home playoff game at Shadow Creek or a home game at Baylor? Because <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know how crazy they get about high school football down there in Texas. Playoff game at Shadow Creek was it was it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it, I can it, was, it was different. Especially like we went to state and everybody traveled to the state game. It's basically a home game, so it, it's it's special. Texas high school football is special. Yeah, no, we don't watch the what is we don't watch the what's my what, uh, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> yeah, them folks crazy down there. If you're a little bit older, you watch Varsity Blues, too. So (laughs) That's our realm. And I will throw this in for the record, too. Kyron, you ain't got to say much. I'll say it for you. Everybody was watching that damn camera when they um, – because, we, hey, these Hokie fans was on edge. And when they was like QB1, Kyron Drones, somebody had took a video of it, and that place went crazy. (laughs) I'm talking crazy. No, Hey, no disrespect to nobody else, but motherfuckers was sitting on the edge of their seats like – Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who they fin- what they finna say? You know what I'm saying? We need to know what they finna say when they heard that. When they heard Kyron drones, hey, we was ready to rock then. Yeah. I was at home, I already knew what it was. I felt good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I seen the video. My teammates uh be getting on me telling me uh when they my video, my name pop up, my chance almost be as loud as Coach Prime. So that's, that's good. A, you deserve that's it, you work like, for it. I appreciate the fans for uh, just being there and uh, congratulating me for that. Yeah, we, we appreciate you giving us the the feeling that we get. Like, we're back when, you know, these guys in here were, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20. The, the feeling of those teams 
that we had back then. Like watching you out there, it, it, it's that very same feeling. So we appreciate that about you. You, yeah, you took us back. Keep it going. You took us back, man. You you oh, really yeah. did. What y'all did the back half of the season took these guys back. I'm 40. Brian's 39. Tally's 38. So mm. you do the math. Vic, Tyrod. Brian Randall. I mean, you. I'm sure you see those names all the time in 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 the center That it you took us back last year, and Man. I mean, it, you know, we went to games like when we were younger. I mean, we were wild. We were crazy. We did stupid stuff. I mean, it, you know, let's, let's you know, there's things that we've done. But but when you have that feeling and the brain comes back, it's like this is the way it was. This is yeah. the way it was. This is the way it should be. And to see you guys, you leading the way with that crew there, it's great, uh, Brian. Shelton is our fourth host. Uh, he is un- unfortunately on a trip to right now, and he cannot join us. But he got with Brian yesterday, and he's got a little question about the offense he wants to ask you about. So let's bring that up for uh, Kyron so Shelton can get his question answered. So, Kyron, obviously the RPO is a huge element of Tyler Bowen's offense. I wanted to ask, how do you feel you progress in terms of being able to make those those reads on the read option, the RPO, uh, just making those pre and post snap reads to sort of execute the offense. How much do you feel like you progress throughout the course of the season with those? Uh, I feel like RPOs really came easy to me just because that's kind of like the same offense I ran in high school. So uh, RPOs has been nothing. It's just knowing like who to read and you can't be wrong. Like you gotta, you gotta always be right. If the person you read and take the runaway, you gotta pass. If they take of you doing uh, reads where either I run or they run or the running back runs is you can't be wrong doing an RPO. So that's why it's so hard to defend. Just uh, learn it from, and then coach uh, Bowen's perspective, the way he teaches it, just him being gone from going to the league, doing it at Penn state. He always brings different elements, uh, different styles of learning and teaching. And then just getting it from him is just a, uh, it expands your knowledge on not just going based off just one person, just seeing like the whole defense, the whole show unfold, and then just knowing where to go with the football. Let me piggyback off that a little bit real quick. Cause uh, one of the things that happened at the kind of beginning of last off season is that, you know, you came in, you, you were in winter workouts and all of a sudden, you know, coach Bowen slides into quarterback coach, um, you know, when, when all the shuffling was made with the coaches, what was that like for you? And was that kind of seamless because, you know, coach Bowen was your guy to begin with. He, he was kind of that, uh, that, that big reason why you committed to begin with. So what was that like for you? I was, I was glad that happened. Uh, not, I was glad that, uh, coach left and went to Cincinnati. That's a big thing for him, but I was glad, uh, coach Bowen made that move, uh, to be the OC. And then, uh, from being an OC to the quarterback coach too, just, I feel like that's how it should be where the OC is the quarterback coach because he wants to, you to like understand the offense how he sees it. So it's basically like he wants you to be another coach on the field. So uh, just him doing that, I feel like that's what really brought this offense together. Uh, just him being in the room and then just us getting that perspective where he sees the offense going and it's just us understanding from him. What's, what's, what's Tyler, what's Coach Bowen like? Like, What's his? What's like the sense of humor? Is he dry? Is he just outlandish? Is he, you know, is he quiet? I mean, because I mean, he's an offensive lineman. Because we see the pictures, like when we see the pictures of him out on recruiting trips, it, most of the time he's he's head and shoulders above everybody else. So when we're like when they're recruiting offensive linemen, is an offensive lineman as big as he is? It's like oh, that's a big kid. But what's he like? 
Yeah, he a real big dude. But uh, Coach Bowen, funny, he 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 a wild. He not quiet at all. He wild with what he say. He say a lot of out out of pocket stuff. Just, uh, <laughs> out of pocket and just he'll say anything anywhere and out of just you wouldn't expect the stuff he says. But uh, he a funny dude and he real fun to be around. And that's how I wouldn't want any other coach like that. I don't want no. I don't want to be with any boring coach that don't talk, uh, don't really interact with his players. But he try to interact with everybody he sees, and that's just a big thing. Uh, just for him, just to be a coach that really like loves his players, interact with his players, and then just be that funny coach that always just makes somebody laugh every day. That's what's up. That's what's up. So to clarify, I can say that Kyron probably can't. When I was playing, when I was playing ball, we had a coach that he would start like our individual drills with some kind of outlandish question. He would say something like, "For a billion dollars, would you go to Neverland and, and sleep in the same bed as Michael Jackson?" Like you know, just stuff like that. And I'm like, "For how much? A billion? Yeah, oh, a billion? Shoot! Hey, I believe I can fight Mike off if I need to, but I'm going for that bill. But anyway, Kyron, we're gonna go. We're gonna uh, kind of go to something different besides football. Uh, you know, like I said, we met your pops. Uh, I didn't know your mom until um, you know she started tuning in, and I kind of met her through your through your pops. I think she was hopping on hopping on the podcast in the back, and um, we learned a little bit about your family and how athletic they are. I mean, you got a brother that was down at Florida State. Uh, sister that's running track. We know your pops is still coaching. And I didn't know your mom ran track as well, right? Yeah, she ran track, but her main thing was softball. Softball, okay. So we, we got another layer there. So if I had to if I had a hundred dollars and we had the we had a uh the family reunion, the cookout, out of out of everybody in your family, who's the most athletic? Oh man, he said it too quick. <laughs> Kevin, you don't have to Kevin, you go. Like, no he said no question. <laughs> Kevin, you got to get it, man. He said it too quick. He didn't even get nobody no room to live. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't even hype anybody else up. Like, hey, you can, he does this well. She does this well. But uh -uh. it's still me. Man, no. I, my, mom, my mom got stories of how she was. I got to see it. My dad got the same stories. I got to see it. My dad was a D lineman, so I really don't like – I can't say he more athletic than me. My brother, O lineman. I don't. I can't say he more athletic. <laughs> so you got everybody. What about I, your sister? She running, I, right? Nah, she threw. So oh, okay. So throwing is not really. I mean, it's just throwing. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, hold on, hold on, it. hold on. Okay, before before you answer this question, um, <laughs> let me just go ahead because Mama's out here. She says she's next. <laughs> Does Mama win the silver medal of the drones family Olympics, or is it somebody else? Remember, she's, I'm going to put it back up here so you can see it. I want you don't guys to go back home. Don't answer that question. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with It's it. a trap. I'm going to go with She might be dead. She might be okay. dead. Yeah, right. yeah, we'll take that. He's smart, man. By the way, just if you're wondering, Mrs. Drones played the hot corner and then the whole air shortstop. Nice. That's what's up. There we go. There we that go. That's what's up. Hold on. Can I ask a question, sister? Does she throw shot put or hammer or disc? She throws shot and disc. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised they're watching right now. She she playing right now. She got a basketball game right now. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You see, you, you the more so you got one eye on the game, one eye on the know, phone. But the more you talking, you giving us so much stuff that everybody else doing, Kyron. I don't know, man. You said she <laughs> playing basketball and throwing. She might give you buckets. 
I was on varsity basketball before I was on varsity football. Okay, my bad. Okay. I'm gonna be quiet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Telly said, "I will take a seat." Then hang on. Hold on. Wait a second. Just so you know. Yep. They at the she game watching, and they watching you on here with us, and we That's appreciate love. That. That's love right there. The drones family out in Texas. Brian, I know we get near the end. We know Kyron. We know you've got a. Uh, uh, we, we know you got to be up early tomorrow, so we got just a couple more fun questions to ask here um, before we uh, drop it. Yeah, I mean, we got to go to anytime we get a player, we get a coach on here. We got to know what's your go to food spot in the bird. Go to a lot of people say, I would say PKs. PKs? All right. Yeah, we go, we go to PKs a lot. And it's either like PKs or Kabuki. You're, you on them cheetah wings? Yeah. Them, okay. Them good. I just told my dad, said next time he up here, you got to try it. He never had it before, but yeah, that was good right there. Man, Kevin tripping. I thought all black folks had lemon pepper wings with mild on it. <laughs> I don't think he know what that's what cheetah wings are. He just heard cheetah wings. He just heard, yeah. Coach cheetah, cheetah just threw his name on something, but we are gonna let him have that. Then yeah. we gonna let him call that cheetah wing. But hey, that's that's a that's a staple right there. Yeah, yeah. it definitely is a staple. Um, so, Kyron, just real quick before you before we let you get out of here, what time do you have to get up in the morning? Because obviously, I mean, are you living off campus? We assume. Yeah, it's like uh, eight minutes away. All right, what time you got to be up in the morning to get? I there? get up at four forty-five. Mm. <laughs> mm. I haven't seen that in a minute. My dog wakes <laughs> me up at four forty-five, man. Kudos to you, man. Tuesdays and Thursday, though, I get up at four forty-five. Okay, Tuesday, Thursday. That's what's Sigla, up. Tally, y'all got anything else before we uh, wrap it up with this young man? Man, I'm just gonna it. say I appreciate the time, man. It's been it's been a pleasure. Um and looking forward to seeing what you guys have for us, you know, come spring and fall this year. Yeah, that was fun. I appreciate y'all having me. Definitely, man. We appreciate you coming through again, man. Big appreciation for you talking to me about my son. Uh your attention to detail, man, everything that you're doing with the team on and off the field. Uh us as fans, it's it's wonderful to see. And um I mean the grades, all of that, keep doing it, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yes, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. You have a good night. Kyle, I appreciate having you, man. Take care of yourself. I, I know Brian will see you in spring. Tally might see you in spring. I'm trying to see you in the spring. So uh, you take care of yourself. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep your head up because, uh, man, your future is so bright ahead. And we, we, we appreciate you taking 30 minutes out of your day because we know you are a busy young man. Yeah, that's all I love. I appreciate all of y'all. Thank you, sir. Appreciate Thank you. Good one. Thank you. Thank you. Man, we awesome, boys. That's pretty good, man. Shoot, we can end it right there. That's a good night. Hey. <laughs> we all we'll gonna, here, we go gonna all get up at four forty-five, and we gonna That's go. Right. Uh, I'm gonna sit outside and and call Brian and see if he's working out. He's doing all the game. Listen, the dog wakes me up about four forty-five at least three days a week, so I'm mm-hmm. doing it, and I try to trudge back to bed. But I mean, y'all, he he chatted with us a few minutes beforehand and he did ask directly about tally son if y'all oh, yeah. tally son guys like i mean he is an outstanding young man you can tell it you can tell it by um how he speaks he's very thorough very thoughtful um he's funny yep. he's funny yep. i mean he's, he's yep. one of those you feel like you could just sit and talk with him at a bar or at the field about anything um and a, a lot of guys aren't like that and you can tell he's very genuine young man um Miss Drones, uh, Mr. Drones, I know y'all are out there watching tonight. Y'all raised a very good young man, and it shows in every single way. 
boys, awesome young man. We got a lot more to unload. Yeah, we do. We got a lot to unload in this. So let's hit it up because basketball season's going on. And well, Saturday the Hokies had one of those games that make you want to throw things. And Sheldon's not with us, but we asked Sheldon some questions, and Sheldon had some things he wanted to broke down. Brian and him got together for a few minutes yesterday. And, Brian, let's kick it off because we did talk about that loss, or Shelton did talk about that loss and where we stand. So let's hit that up first about do we even have a chance to make the tournament? Here we go. So after the loss to Miami without winning the ACC tournament, what are the chances the Hokies get into March Madness this year? Unfortunately, the chances are not looking great right now. So we have um, there's a stats website called Bart Torvik that does uh, NCAA tournament simulators. So you run a bunch of simulations and it spits out a percentage chance to make the tournament. Right now, the Hokies have a 23.3% chance to make the tournament as I last checked it. And that includes 4% chance for an automatic bid if they win, if, if they win the ACC tournament and a 19% chance for an at-large bid. So I think for me, you're looking more at that at large bit because I think it's it's you know pretty unlikely that you'd win the ACC you know a second time in three years, but you know bottom line, a one in five chance right now for the Hokies. Uh, they certainly have their work cut out for them in this final stretch. I mean, I, I think before it was something what thirty three, thirty four percent chance before we lost that game, and that game was frustrating Saturday. Mm-hmm. That game was frustrating Saturday afternoon to watch yeah. because I went to a birthday party. We're up nine. I'm keeping. We still up nine, and me and one of the the dads there just get chatting about something else, and I ain't paying attention to my phone. Talk ten minutes. I go look back at the phone, and they up four. It's like this team is. I mean, it, it's it's frustrating to watch. I know. Sheldon had probably a little bit more to say on that Miami game too, so we can run that and let him finish that thing out. Yeah, let's finish it out. And with that loss to Miami, it looked like that percentage dropped pretty sharply. I think they, if I remember correctly, seeing something about right at 50-50 ahead of that game. Um, so it seems like that was a kind of a, a, a winner-stay-home type situation for the Hokies. It was, yes. And again, it depends on the model you look at. Some of them were a little bit more bullish. Some of them were not so uh, rosy on Hokies' chances. I mean, I saw some at 33% before the Miami game. But needless to say, I mean, that was a road game against a quad one team. And the fact that the Hokies let us play was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, pretty devastating. I mean, that, that game had a huge delta in terms of, you know, what it would have done for them had they had they won the game versus, you know, them losing it in terms of their, their probability to make the tournament. So big missed opportunity for sure. That all says right. it all, man. I mean, you it know, does. when when you, when you look at the uh, the chances there, that was a game that, for all intents and purposes, was kind of a must win if the Hokies wanted to get into the tournament without having to run the table in the ACC tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to talk about and watch and think about um, when you start digging into it a little bit and looking at the game. I mean, handling pressure is usually tough. When you play the teams that are physical, um, this pressure and you coming down the floor is tough. We're turning it over. Uh, we're living and dying by the three, you know, and we just don't have enough guys that can create their own shot. In basketball, that's the name of the game. You know, that's what kind of worried me before the season. Uh, when you have smaller guards, no disrespect to um, Padula um, and, and Couture and any of those guys that's playing, 
But, you know, you play against some bigger guards that some of the ACC has to offer, and uh, just getting physical on you, and it's hard to create your shot. Uh, that's why when you when you get some of these guys that have left, like, you know, Rodney Rice and uh, Buchanan and um, yeah. Darius Maddox, some of these, you know, bigger guards, like, it, it's frustrating because those guys you feel like could help in those situations uh, where you where you need somebody that can create a shot or even just shoot over somebody because they're taller. So that's what it feels like kind of watching it to me. Yeah. And now Sheldon went in, you and Brian, Brian, you and Sheldon went in a little deeper because I, I want to know, because as I'm watching the game, and sometimes y'all know as well as I do, we get pulled away times, whether it be mm-hmm. a kid's hoops game or birthday parties or, hey, run to the store, need to get something, and you're trying to follow it on your phone. And I asked Sheldon, I wanted Sheldon to talk about what metric do we need to watch? Because when I do get pulled away to go to a birthday party on Saturday when we're playing at two, what what's what data point do I need to watch? If I see it going a certain direction, what is it? So let's let's hear what he's found out through his uh, research. Yeah, and this Hokies team has kind of been a little uh, little up and down. They've had some games where they've looked looked better. They've had some games where they just can't really put out all the pieces together. Uh, is there a metric uh, that's kind of proving to be most predictive for a Hokies win or a Hokies loss? Well, I mean, generally speaking, in basketball, obviously shooting is the name of the game, right? So you got to hit a you got to hit a good field goal percentage if you want to win. And you know, you can look at effective field goal percentage, which is obviously a very big predictor of who wins the game. I mean, that's probably the single biggest predictor on a night by night basis. But I thought that looking at turnover percentage, turnovers in general for the Hokies have been sort of a, a bugaboo this year, and that seems to me to be the biggest predictor of whether or not they win the game. So when Tech has a <clears throat> a turnover percentage lower than seventeen percent. They are ten and three, and when it is over seventeen percent, they are three and six. So to me, that kind of speaks to their issues. If they limit the turnovers to, you know, say twelve, thirteen, less than that, that's about, you know, that translates to about seventeen percent in a seventy possession game. That's probably the ideal spot. But they just they just haven't been really taking care of the ball in these past few weeks in ACC play, and that's really uh, been the biggest thing hurting them. So like in a crunch time of, of the Miami game and you have kind of three or four possessions back to back where there's turnovers and you go from a nine point lead to a you know three or four point deficit pretty quick. That's really been the thing that's been been kill, killing them, you say. Right. And the funny thing is they've actually shot the lights out of the ball. You know, if, if you look at their shooting stats in ACC play, I mean, they're pretty much the best in the conference. But the problem is, you know, they're turning the ball over. And they're not getting offensive rebounds. So those two things, you know, they're they're losing that they're, they're losing out on those extra possessions. And so, you know, you can shoot the ball as well as you can, but if you're not if you're not getting those extra possessions, um, and the other team is, it's not it's not going to go well for you. Name it again: turnovers. Does it? But it's wild. Well, it, but it's wild though. Could y'all imagine what this team would be like if they weren't the best shooting team in the ACC? You imagine that? Yeah, well, like nine yeah. wins, maybe. Yeah. yeah, conversely, if you know they didn't turn the ball over at such a rate, you know where would they be oh. as well as their shooting? So it's uh, like, you know, if you if you if you have one other guy out there that can handle the ball a little bit more, lean on them at times when you know you're getting that pressure. Um, a guy like Padula does not have to kind of be a ball stopping point guard at times when the scoring just isn't quite coming as, as, as at the rate that we need to, because we're not getting those extra possessions with offensive rebounds. We're losing extra possessions with them getting offensive rebounds. Yep. 
So we hit one last piece here with Sheldon because we kind of wanted to know who's the pivot player, who's the player. So we now we now we know, right? If we start looking at a 70 possession game, if we're aiming towards trying to do the math here, what 14, 14, 15 turnovers in a 70 possession game, we ain't gonna win the game. But we taught and wanted Sheldon to say who's the player that effectively, if they have a game, we have a chance to win. So he hit that up too. All right, let's switch it over to this. Is there a player on this team that's kind of that pivot type player where if they play kind of above their average, it's more than likely going to lead to a Hokies win, or if they're below that average, go ahead and put an L on the board. Yeah, so for this question, I initially thought about Sean Padula just because he's been such a high-usage guy for the Hokies. I mean, if you look at the statistics, uh, there are very few teams in the country that are more reliant on their point guard than the Hokies are. And Padula's had to, you know, bear a really huge load this season. But with that being said, looking at the stats, I actually think Lynn Kidd is a uh, his his uh, performance in the games is a much bigger indicator of whether or not the Hokies win or lose. So just looking at, you know, his um, his offensive rating here. I mean, he was really good against my uh, against Miami in that game a few weeks ago. You know, going a for a from the field, and he's always had a good field goal percentage. But you know, typically, you know, the the more effective he is, and and the more shots he takes during a game because he's such a good shooter. Um, and he takes shots that, that fit his game, you know, that's that's going to help Hokies win. When he's not off, or excuse me, when I should say he's off and he's not hitting shots, that's a big, that's a really bad sign. Because I think, you know, he's he's been the presence down low, obviously. And when, when you're not getting production from from that five spot in the Mike Young offense, you know, obviously, Elijah Poti, he's not, offensive really isn't quite his game. Um, that's going to be a problem because now, you know, you don't have the spacing. And you got to, you know, force yourself to shoot threes and that hurts you all around. So I think Len Kidd is probably the biggest, you know, guy where you say as as he goes, so go the Hokies. All right. So he's kind of the X factor with with for this team. And it makes sense because if you all remember what the early part of ACC play, he struggled. And as did Virginia Tech struggling out of the gate with that um, back in January, you know, like the loss at Florida State, I don't think he had a good game there. Definitely the Wake Forest game, I know he struggled down there. And it's, you know, I mean, you look at what's left on the schedule for this team right now. I mean, they got a, they got Notre Dame this weekend. If they don't beat Notre Dame, that 20% is going to go to like five because yeah. you cannot have that bad a loss. Then you got Florida State and North Carolina, Virginia, Pitt, Syracuse, Wake Forest, Louisville, Notre Dame. There's like, A, they can't lose any of the bad ones. They can't lose to the Notre Dames or Louisvilles. It's almost like they got to just run, right? Yeah, for real. You got to just run. If you want, if you want to, at large, you got to run table. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. I, I mean, it's grim. It's grim to think about. It's grim to do right now, man. Like, yeah. you got to win it. You got to win the ACC. Or like you said, pretty much, you got to run the table. They have a better chance of running the table than they do winning the ACC. Yes. yes. Flat out. But, but you know why it's grim? It's because you look and you see there's some talent on this team, right? Like you see, like, Tally, you mentioned it. It is literally one player away. If yeah. they had – if Rodney Rice was still here or one of those guys who transferred, they could get their own shot occasionally. I, I, I'm not saying like a top 15 team, but I think definitely a top 35 team and easily in. Right. And that's where it's getting frustrating where people leave, you know, what you got the kid that went to Mason playing good. Bama Seal, Bama Seal's been all over the place. I don't know if he's a good right. 
because <laughs> I mean, I kids made a cross country journey of a college career. But um, you mentioned Buchanan earlier, and you mentioned Maddox, and you know, and even somebody like Naheem Allen that that played a pivotal role in UConn's championship last year. He didn't score all the points, but he was still a pivotal role. So right. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, I think it, the problem we're looking at is that you know. From a offensive mind perspective and just from an overall coaching perspective, I think Mike Young is doing a damn good job. I think the problem is that we have had a problem bringing in and retaining good talent. Yeah. And at some point, you know, the guys that he brought in when he first got here, they gelled really quick in that first year when it didn't matter what the number on the left-hand side of the uh, the win-loss was, was going to be. Right. You know, everybody knew that that was going to be a struggle bust of a season to a point. But they gelled, you know, year two and three, you know, you, you see some action, right? With with those guys gelling, maturing, getting into the back half of their career. And now we're starting to see with all that attrition and kind of that churn of the roster that we're seeing every year, you're not getting that cohesive team that we've seen before. And I think, you know, the Rice situation is kind of a microcosm of that bigger picture is that, you know, if, if you had one guy like that that could give you those minutes, that could uh, handle the ball in those key moments, that could take a three but also get his own shot. If you had something like that, you know, this team might be, you know, three, four, five wins better and really on the on the inside instead of having to scratch and claw just to even have a chance. I don't know. My co-host just said microcosm, I think, <laughs> is the word that he used. What he I mean? don't know what the fuck that means. But I do know. Mike Young, you better go out and you better get some people who can dunk on folks. You better go out and you better get some people who can jump higher than another team. Because we just shooting threes and it ain't happening. It ain't going to get us where we need to be. Tally, Tally, you've been nice to Mike Young the year you've been with us. I, and you said you give him a little grace, but I, I think the grace is slowly falling off. The great, I told y'all, I mean, he, him winning the ACC was – like so, I guess it was big because I, I didn't expect it. You know, when yeah. he first got here, I was on him pretty heavy, and you know, I said, "Well, I got to give him some time, and I got to." But you know, again, when you got a coach like Mike Young, you know, you got to have some people around you that can recruit. And we start getting people in, and then those coaches start leaving, and we start getting players in because basketball is much different than football in a lot of ways. When we're talking recruiting, when we're talking retaining people i mean you can really go out and get one player in in basketball whole team and changes. the whole team changes yep. yep like it 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 one one player can make that team a deep run ncaa team you know 100% but if you can't if you are not getting those people or if they're not getting chances or you're not you know able to retain them Shit, you you're not gonna you're not gonna go deep, you know. Because I was, hey man, I don't care about the regular season. I don't care about this. We got to get to the tournament. We got to win a game in the tournament. You know, yeah. things like that is what I was saying. So what? I gave him a little bit of a pass, and then looking at this season, it's been it's been kind of you know getting back to it, and I've been kind of quiet. But it's hey, it's starting to creep back up, man. Basketball is yeah. a different beast, man. We got to get some. We got to get some athletic players. Not saying the guys on the team aren't athletic. But uh, we're getting a lot of shooters. We're getting a lot of, you know, 3 and D guys. Nah, man, you got to get some fucking animals. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got to get some people who are certified bucket getters 
That's what we need. And, and if we had just been able to, I mean, I know that's a different situation, but we talked, we've already talked about Rodney Rice. If you get Rodney Rice and you're able to, you know, get somebody like Basile back on this team, I mean, yep. that, that's a, that's a true, you know, Sweet top 16. four, top three ACC team Deep compared run. to like, you know, we're, we're kind of in that bottom half of the top 10 right now and, and, you know, scratching, even, scratching yeah, to go further problem. back. Even to think about, yeah, even to think about like Bazili, like he came in, you know, had a good year, and then he's never heard of again. Like he said, oh, fuck it, I'm going to Italy or wherever he went. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know the money situations or, you know, how they handle it, what NIL looks like in in, in basketball, but they got to change some things if they want to start making, making these runs because the old school game of any sport is gone. Yeah, like you just can't play the game like that. You can't coach the game like that. It's much different. So, uh, again, I'm still giving Mike Young a little grace because of what he's done, but it's getting shout. It's getting real shout. Especially now football is doing good. You want everybody to do good. Like everybody needs to do good. I football. will say this, though. I will say this on tape. I'll fucking sacrifice basketball <laughs> all day and tomorrow if we can goddamn have a good football team. Give me a good football team every year. I ain't saying shit about basketball. Then let me get one of them baseball jerseys because baseball been killing them. Fucking baseball jerseys is nice. So give me a baseball jersey. Give me a jersey. And a good somebody. football team. Shit, we good. There we go. But not saying I don't care about y'all basketball. Y'all got to do better too. He loves you. Still. Yep. Different child. <laughs> Different child. All right, let's roll over this, boys. Let's get back to football for a little while. The rest of the way. Um, believe it or not, y'all know what today was. What's today? That's the signing day. Don't nobody even care about it no more. Nobody don't care anymore about it because everything happened in December. I remember I forgot ten, all about it. Ten years ago, I used to take off half a day to watch what was going For on. Real. And not even a joke. You so just take it, off, had a had a computer up, had a TV on ESPN, yes, had your phone there. You trying to watch uh yes. you trying to watch the 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 uh the, the Texas or the the facts come in. Yeah, don't even care no more. Yep, we're doing this anymore. in December. Yeah, yep. it's all December now. They should move it back to February, though. That's my opinion. But let's let's talk about a few things that happened. The first that happened is we got a preferred walk-on offer. Usually that ain't a big deal, is it? Not usually. Right. Not, Not usually. usually. But then we got the name. His name is Lamar, goes by LJ Booker. He is a 6'2, 190-pound wide receiver right here in the RVA down at Collegiate, about three miles from my house here. He is a top 30 player in Virginia. He's a top 1,000 player. His composite is daggum near an 87. He's got offers. Duke, Rutgers. He had some interest from Penn State. He had some interest from Maryland, North Carolina. Y'all. Can we talk real quick? I, I, I hate throwing the old regime under the bus, but you know how many people we gave scholarships to outside of the top 1,000? A lot. Everybody, all <laughs> and we all got a preferred them. walk on inside the top thousand. Yeah, crazy walk on. <laughs> it's crazy. He could have went to a number of schools and got on a scholarship. And, and and you, we said it a few weeks ago. Somebody said it. You talk about winning the state of Virginia. This is how you do it right here. Yeah, not even a joke about it. So. I know. Glad to have him. I guess he'll be joining in the spring, but wild to see LJ Booker. Um, I don't think Brian had a chance to get some tape on him because we've both been busy at work. 
but maybe try to look at it something here just because I always I always refer to Chris. Chris is in the in the comments. And uh of course y'all know, you know, that's uh Brody's dad, Keelan Adams' dad. Uh Chris said he can play, which I've seen a little tape on him because we were recruiting him during the season. And if Chris says he can play, him being there in Virginia and he's watching wide receivers and he watches a lot of tape, I'll take his word for it. All right. We know we know he's watching wide receiver tape. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, yeah. Robbie gonna throw a joke on here at you, Tally. Say you need to get a wrestling singlet. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Actually, we're gonna do a little talking on some wrestling, man. I got I got somebody we're gonna bring on. We're gonna do a little talking on some wrestling because I don't know about wrestling, but I wanna know and I want us to win. If we can get some wins in wrestling, I'll take it. So yeah, we're we gonna save that for another time, but we're gonna talk that's about a, wrestling. That, that's a teaser. That's a teaser about a month from now. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. Pay attention. All right, so let's go real quick. Where did we end up as a class? So, I mean, the numbers don't look great. 45 and 57. Can I go on a tangent right quick before you even talk numbers? Go for it. Let me say this right quick. Hold on. I want to put my glasses on. Oh, man. Before I talk. He getting serious here. (sighs) We're going to have Matei on here a little bit later on, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. About a month. Yeah. We love you, Matei. A little less than a month from now. We love you, Matei, but close your ears. That fucking ranking system, man, has got to go. <laughs> it's on my fucking nerves. It's nothing but they lie. It, it's I I went to a basketball game the other day, and we got a kid that was here in school, uh, went to the high school my son will go to. And uh, his dad, he, he, he plays down at UAB now. He's a sophomore at UAB. And he probably was the best kid. Uh, he was probably the best kid in Huntsville when he graduated two years ago. But he definitely was, you know, one of the top players in, in Alabama. And the ranking system, man, is just so screwed up. And he talked to me. He gave me, like, maybe a 30-minute rundown of how you get your kid ranked the highest. And it's all bullshit. It's just going to the right camp and kissing the right ass and fucking rubbing the right feet. Man, if a kid can play, <laughs> fucking let him play. That is so much bull crap to take somebody's star or, you know, oh, he he, he he ain't as tall as this guy. He ain't as big as this. Or his competition. Like, if he's – if you're setting records and you're playing in decent competition, you know what I'm saying? And I understand you got to do some camps. But it's all about just gaining a, more money and more subscriptions and more of this instead of actually watching what these kids do. And, again, we say it all the time. Somebody commit somewhere – they're messing with some rankings. Yep. Either 100%. way it goes. You commit 100%. to Alabama, you're 90. You commit to Virginia Tech, what are you? Brian, what number are you? 87. 80, 87. 86. 87. 86. They done moved us up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, dude, it, it's just ridiculous, man, when you start thinking about how they do these rankings. And we'll come back to it maybe next week because we got some stuff in the works and we want to let it play out. Yeah, we do. But if some of these kids, I'm like, how does he have no rankings? How does he have that ranking? He's better than this guy. He beat this guy, or he locked it. Anyway, Curtis, go ahead. We got, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about that for a while now. And, I mean, Robbie, we had him on one time. We talked to him about all the camps um, and, you know, when, when he was doing evaluations at the camps and things like that. And, you know, he backed up a lot of what you just said um, in a lot of ways. Um, so it, it's funny circling back like that. <laughs> oh that was good jim that was good so so where we are as far as like 
nationally goes, if you look at just the the raw number data, we didn't do good. 45 and 57, like 10th in the ACC. But that ain't the important part right now. Mm -mm. Because the important part is where we rank both nationally and in the ACC when it comes to the average of the player. We only took 16 players. There are not a lot of teams in the country that took that little of a player this year. Most of them are 20 to 22. That's your average. Most of them are 22. We're we're way down at 16. So you start looking at the actual average is where it gets key. Y'all know we rank average player-wise because we got some players that got some bumps because I think Tally had some influence somehow on 247. <laughs> players got voted oh. up to four stars. Guys got be. up borderline. <laughs> Next thing we know, we don't talking. Next thing we know, four guys get bumped up. Y'all, we are 28th in the country as far as average player goes, fourth in the ACC. Yeah. Over the 88, which that's Brian's magic number. He's told yeah. y'all for the last four years. I was say, he's, been, he's been preaching that for years, though. 88. He's been preaching that for years. So, yep. you know, you sit here and you wonder, and, and y'all know we got Sheldon. Sheldon's got all sorts of things he looks at, things that interest him and pique him. But I wanted to know, all right, where are the playoff teams at? Like, where are their rankings? I don't think Sheldon yeah. got the rankings, like the number average, but he did get some interesting information both on the teams that play for the national title and then a run of the New Year six teams, excluding G5. So, Brian, press that because this is about five minutes. So everybody hold with us. We'll come back because this is some good, this is some good stuff right here to some of the ranks for the teams that are making the playoffs consistently, that are making those New Year's Six Bowls. So let's focus first on Washington and Michigan. Um, Sheldon, I know you've kind of crunched the numbers there. What are the average player rankings per 247, and kind of what is that telling you? Sure. So I went back the last four years and took the average player ranking for um, each team's class in a season. And so for Michigan, it averaged out to about 15th. That's typically where they've been. And, and that's not far off from their composite ranking also. For Washington, it was 26. So it's sort of a, a tale of two different teams. I think for Michigan, you know, one of the things that I've noticed over the past four or five years is that recruiting rankings aren't quite as predictive of success as they used to be. And the biggest reason, in my opinion, is a combination of, of course, the, the COVID year, so the fifth year from COVID, um, and how it impacted high school evaluations, as well as players coming up um, using that extra year. Uh, and the transfer portal, because guys are just moving all over the place and you don't really have time to develop guys like you like you used to. Um, so so, you know, because of that, I think what we've seen over the past couple of years is that a lot of teams like Michigan, TCU, Washington, who maybe don't have elite recruiting rankings, find themselves playing for a national title. Um, you know, I think Michigan and, and, and John Harbour staff has done a great job of developing players and, and hitting on those evaluations for Washington. I think they were a team that was, you know, not to not to take away from their from their overall offense and defense, but I think they were a team that's very reliant on Michael Penix, at quarterback. And we look at some of the advanced metrics. They weren't quite as high on the Huskies this year just because they won a ton of close games. And generally speaking, winning close games at that rate is not sustainable. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, these are two great examples of where good player, de- player development will get you. Um, so, you know, I think I think uh, looking at Michigan and Washington, it is uh, it is sort of a case of, you know, um, just because you don't have, you don't recruit in the top 10 or top 15 uh, doesn't necessarily mean you can't play for a national title because those, those two teams absolutely earned it, and uh, they, they did a great job of developing players. So in the case of Washington, kind of a combination of being a really good development program and hitting, the, hitting it at the park with the most important player on the field. 
Yes, and I think that's the one thing that makes evaluating recruiting rankings difficult is because the the quarterback position, as we all know, has such an outsized influence in the game. So it really, I think it's less a case of maybe, you know, getting, you know, 85 scholarship guys out of nowhere and more so just, you know, you you, you recruit three stars, you got to develop them, but you have to hit on that right quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback who can who can make all those throws, make all those plays, you know, you're not you're not going to be at that level. That's just a reality. And, and obviously, you know, Washington benefited usually from having a, a stud arm like Michael Penix. Yeah, it, it seems like for Michigan, it seems more like th- they were recruiting kind of in that higher average range that you see with some of the other uh, blue chip programs. But they have a hit rate that's kind of out of the park. They're doing doing well developmentally, but if they're bringing in four and five star ca- caliber players, you're you're seeing those players get on the field quickly and, and make an impact pretty quick. Yes, exactly. And I think honestly, if you ask Michigan fans, they might say that, you know, the the star rankings were not an accurate reflection of how talented they were. And I think you can make a pretty good argument for that just based on, you know, their play on the field. But I think Michigan is sort of a team like Clemson, uh, those those title teams under Dabo Dabo Sweeney, where they're sort of on that on that cusp of where typically you expect national title teams to be kind of on that lower edge where you sort of need to get into that, you know, cool kids club, so to speak. But, you know, bottom line. Michigan, they've just done a great job of evaluating high school prospects and and bringing them up. And, you know, I was listening to to Joel Klatt's podcast the other day. He was talking about the importance of their strength coach as well. So all those factors kind of lead into Michigan's success. And I, I think there was there was certainly nothing uh, fluky about it. Very good. Very good. And now let's let's take a look a little broader here. Let's look at average player rankings for kind of those New Year's six teams over kind of the last three or five years. Um, are, are those kind of landing in that? 10 to 15 range of the uh, the Michigans or are they lower end uh, with, with the Washingtons or the TCUs or are most of those kind of landing in that top eight spot where you see those perennial powerhouses from the Blue Blood programs? So it's a little bit closer to being Blue Blood. For this analysis, I decided to exclude group of five, group of five teams just because it kind of, you know, messes with the numbers a little bit. And obviously, Group of five teams are entitled to one of those spots in the New Year's Six, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are, you know, always as talented as, as those Power Five teams. So when I average out the player rankings for those teams that made the New Year's Six Bowls, I went back over the last five years, and the average ranking was around 17th. And that was pre- pretty consistent across different metri- metrics, which you can look at, but 17th is pretty much the standard. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some outliers like, you know, um, UVA in 2019, when they w- went to the Orange Bowl, they won the Coastal Division, but they were a five-loss team. So obviously that can throw a wrench into things because, you know, there are certain conferences where you're guaranteed those bowl tie-ins. And so if you may be lucky into playing in a bad division or you win a bunch of close games, you can find yourself in one of those spots, even if you weren't, you know, necessarily, quote-unquote, one of the most talented teams, you can sort of find yourself in there. But generally speaking, yes, I would say that you want to be in that top 15 to 20 range is ideal for making those New Year's Six Bowls because you know, the reality is you got to win, you know, 10, 11 games uh, in a power pop conference to get there. And that's uh, that's a lot more difficult than people people realize. Yeah, and so you're saying about 17 is kind of the average there um, across all those teams. You know, looking at it, uh, that, that kind of trends with kind of what we expected, I think, because like as you said, you've got those – teams that are on the lower end um, that have those four or five losses that, you know, they're playing in that game. But when we look at the college football playoff, with the exception of kind of Washington's or a TCU here or there, you, you kind of get the usual suspects every year. And that that's going to definitely trend in the favor of, 
the, the blue bloods for sure. Yeah. And one thing I would stress is that I think people sometimes conflate talent at the very top with sort of being applicable to all the other teams. For instance, obviously teams like Alabama, Georgia, you know, um, Florida State, Clemson, whoever, they recruit very well every single year and they're able to, you know, replace those players because they recruit so well and sustain success. For teams in the middle or even in that upper tier, I would say once you get outside the top 10, it becomes much more of a question of, you know, can you evaluate guys? I don't think there's any necessarily a specific barometer for for team success in that sense once you sort of get into that more middle tier range. Uh, but clearly, you know, recruiting at the top 10, top 12 level is going to help you a lot. And I think for, you know, for an average program like Virginia Tech, you know, it's a question of, you know, can we recruit maybe in that 25 to 30 range and with good player development, we can sort of be in, you know, that that sort of, um, I don't know what you might say, standard deviation of, you know, just being right on that outside edge of, of where you would expect a New Year's Six team to be based on recruiting rankings. And um, I think it's, um, you know, it's it's a case study in just how, how numbers can sometimes be flawed. But generally speaking, when you average it out, generally, you know, the, the recruiting ranks are going to win out in the end. And and that, that you know, 17 to 20 range is ideal for, for most teams there. Yeah, and that would, you know, you talk about the Hokies there. If you pull in, you know, you, you bump your recruiting up a little bit as we're starting to see those trends come into play and you get the right player at the right position when we're talking about a quarterback and you get a right combination of that development, That that's when you kind of get into that conversation. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, collectively here, we're, we're hoping that, you know, maybe that right combination is, is going to hit out for us this year um, heading into 2024 uh, with the returning talent that we have. I know we've uh, been looking out there and we've seen the percentage of returning talent for the Hokies is number one in the nation right now. So that, that bodes well, I feel like for having that continuity, having the development that you're talking about and hopefully having the, the right pieces at the key positions to kind of put us over the top. Yep. And the biggest thing is, you know, it's important sometimes not to get too, too caught up in the, in the star rankings. The biggest indicator of how good a team is going to be in one year is how good they were the previous season. So you look at tech, they had a great end of last season. They won seven games, but you know, you look at their their results against conference teams. I mean, they just blew the competition out of the water. And I think that that bodes very well for you know how they're going to be next season with a pretty similar strength of schedule overall. And you combine that, of course, with the returning production, number one in the country according to Bill Connolly of ESPN. I think it's going to be it's going it's going to set up for a really good team. So in this case, I don't think that you know Tech fans should get too caught up in the recruiting rankings. I think we we saw the body of work from the team last year. We see how many players are returning, and those two factors are the most important ultimately in determining how successful they'll be next season. Good stuff there from Shelton all the way across, but I but I throw this number out because it, it's the one that when when I listened to it earlier today, Brian called me here seventeen. The average team that got in the New Year six is seventeen. We're going to twelve teams in a playoff, <clears throat> right? Yep. That's why I asked about the New Year six because you look at the New Year six normally you're going to have the best 12 teams are in those games, 17. We're at 28. And you can say what you want as far as talent index goes. What this staff has done in the portal, both this year and last year, what they've done in recruiting the last few years, it's trending that way. It's trending that way to that 17 number. And like Kyron said, Kyron said it just a little while ago here. It's a 12-team playoff this year. It's a 12-team playoff. 
I love the players are talking about it too. They understand the stakes and the changes and how that impacts their visibility in this whole thing, because it's what we've been talking about. Yep. Getting a seat at the table matters. Getting a seat at the table is going to help teams like Virginia tech keep guys at Virginia tech for longer, especially when you can get the NIL pot, at least in a competitive range against some of those bigger schools that are trying to lure them away. So that's, where we need to make our hay because you, you talk about 17 so you're talking about a plus minus margin of of error there you know five one way five the other if, if you're you know just going off recruiting rankings getting in the top 25 top 22 puts you right there in that fucking conversation Not and, and then you also go with go with mean go with average if the number one team there's going to be a team that's sitting down there in the 30s that as I love what Sheldon said, find the right combination of player development and quarterback, there's going to be a team that's in the 30s rankings that's going to make a run, that's going to get mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Agreed. So let's hope it's us. One more quick thing before we go to break. And, I, and this, again, goes to the competition piece. We've had nine guys enter the portal. Y'all noticed none of them have went to FCS schools. None of them have went to a lower level of football yet. True. For the beat. Right stepping down. Three went to P5s. Daquan Wright, Canteen, and Dwayne Lofton went to Oklahoma State. Three team went to P5, P4 now. Three stayed at the G5 level. We said it a few years ago about talent. You Tally, you said it here about this time last year. You've got to have talent. You've got to have talent. Now, when I see who's left, we brought in some really good guys. Mm-hmm. But we let some guys, we had some good players leave that could have been role players that would have had yeah. a spot on this team. Yeah. And, and you know, when we look at the guys that left, the guys that left that landed in P5 were guys that were either starters or in the rotation enough to get yep. heavy reps, get good tape out there, right? So you had right canteen obviously they're starters or at least you know one a one b at their positions um and then you had um lofton that yeah, he was he was in that five or six man wide receiver rotation for most right. of the year had some catches so you know guys that were getting reps on this team that were starting and rotational caliber players are being looked at by those power five teams as commodities still Right. Um, there, there. We're not just having to. When we look, when we look at years past. We had one or two guys that were dudes, and then they got out of town because they were dudes for one reason or another. Right. Whether we talk about Hendon Hooker or somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. But then everybody else, you know, eh. ended up finding lower level G five positions. Drop down to FCS, and that's not knocking FCS or those players, but it, it definitely speaks to the caliber of player that we were bringing in after those kind of you know handful of studs in a in a class, and what we're doing now, top to bottom. Yeah, you it's, it's kind of like the I mean the floor's been raised. I mean we've got a we've got a, a preferred walk on that we talked about earlier that probably in. 19 or 20, whatever year that was, he might have been the highest ranked guy in that class. I mean, before the Texas to VT movement, he would have been. He would have been. He might have been the, he might have been the highest ranked guy in that class. So, you know, the floor's been raised. And um, 
it's kudos to the coaches, man. It's kudos to the coaches that can go out and sell what Virginia Tech is. So, 100%. 100%. All right, lots of good stuff on the first half of this episode. We've got a few more things we want to hit on the backside. But before then, we are going to hear from our partners at Main Street Pharmacy and our digital partners. I can probably save you a lot of money, and I can take a lot better care of you. That's pretty much it. My name is Jeremy Counts, and I'm a pharmacist. I own and operate Main Street Pharmacy here in downtown Blacksburg. My brother's a pharmacist, I'm a pharmacist, my uncle's a pharmacist, my dad's a pharmacist. I remember he would give me M&Ms to count in little pill counters. This is something I've always done, and I'm just lucky that what I know so well is something that I can do and feel good about it and give back to people. Pharmacies are your frontline defense. Pharmacy's job is to make sure you're getting optimal care for the lowest price possible. Also, we take the pressure off of emergency rooms. I'll tell people immediately when they need to go to the doctor, or I'll tell them if they just need a cream over the counter. If there's something that isn't commercially available, if it's something that's not available in a certain strength or a certain form or anything like that, we'll make it. Tailor-made medications. Some of those options save people a lot of money. What motivates me? I get to take care of people and live in Blacksburg. That's all I need. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All righty. So let's hit this real quick. Tally kind of already gave it away. Next month, Matasis is going to join us here. Uh, I don't know if we have the date quite yet, but it's going to be sometime next month to start talking about 25, put a good bow on 24. But soon as that happened, just a few days ago, we get our second commit, not our first, because Keldon Ryan committed. Y'all got the date, Last, Keldon, year. last, last year. year sometime, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but we got our first in-state and local in Carter Starlard, a six, seven and a half, three hundred and fifteen pound offensive tackle out of Christiansburg High School. He is ranked sixteenth in the state of Virginia. He is an eighty-seven per two four seven. Um, what a way to kick it off, kid! Right down the street. That if you look at it, you saw that picture. He is one of those guys that looked a lot bigger than Bowen, and ain't many of those mm-hmm. that happens. Um, I have Brian. Did you get a chance to look at tape, Tally? Did you get a chance to look at any tape since he uh, committed? No, I ain't looking no tape. I just know he's six seven, three hundred pounds, <laughs> and he's and he he's, a BMF man. And he's that. I mean, take the layups. Yep, he's that close to the. He's that close to campus. You close on that kid, especially hey. for an offensive lineman. Can Can you I know? say something? He was getting a big push uh, from Duke before the coaching change. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Big push yeah. from Duke before the coaching change, and we know what type of lineman that they were bringing in to rebuild that program. If he was getting that type of heat from them, that's somebody you want to watch. Mm-hmm. So that, that's another good way to start the class off there. Um, and- yeah, and, and, and Render has definitely taken him under his wing. You've seen him posting a lot too, so um, – Getting him out there on the lake, doing all sorts of yeah. fun stuff. So he's been training with him too. So it ain't just been fun stuff. It ain't just fun. No, nah, it's still been, been fun, but it probably ain't yeah, been all he's fun. Been, he's been working with him. He's been working with him for a while. So uh, I've seen some of that stuff, but uh, you can't teach size. You know, you can't yeah. teach size. You can't teach speed. Um, for an offensive lineman that is that close to campus, yeah, I take it. I take it. Yeah. 
Now Matey saying still six six two ninety Jim. That's still a big Jim, yeah. J- hey Jim on it today. Jim ain't playing, man. Yeah, Jim. Jim, Jim. You got to calm down for me. You gonna have Matey mad at us? He ain't gonna be mad at us. Matey loves us. All right. So two other things. I don't know if y'all saw this. Obviously, I'm gonna hit the fun the fun one first. Y'all see Jay Ham got hired. I so did. I paid attention to that. I know you did. Yeah. I got what? the alert. <laughs> did he coach? Did he coach in um? He coached in some game. He coached in the. Um, he was coaching for your team, and now he's coaching for my team. No, but he's coaching for somebody. He was, like he did an all star game or something. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He did. So hey, man, shout out to Jay Ham. I'm sorry you got lumped with uh fuckhead clown, but you know. <laughs> fuckhead. <laughs> you know. Hey. I'm glad you're out here prospering, my boy. You know what? It, it's good for him. I mean, he he, bar- he 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 burned a lot of load. He was put in a position that there was no way he could be a win, mm-hmm. and he's turning it around, man. So, Brian, you'll have to keep us apprised of how the secondary is doing next year. Oh, yeah. Indy. Um, yeah, and, and with him being with my team, I didn't even have to watch none of, like, what he did because our fucking front office was a, a mess. If you did anything good and your name wasn't Derrick Henry, you were definitely getting traded. <laughs> <laughs> if you did anything good, they was getting rid of you. I was like, what are we doing? We gave AJ Brown to the to the Eagles and gave so on and so forth. So it didn't even matter what we did. Uh it, you know, it didn't, I mean the defense is, it has been solid, but uh, I didn't I didn't watch Jay Ham's uh, you know, coaching this year. But again, it's just I'm glad to see him. Uh, all jokes aside, see him um, progressing and and continuing his coaching career because uh, that just goes to show you kind of like um, when people talk about you know coaching hires or you look at when people go home. Yeah, like if your first big job is at home, you got nowhere to go. You know, like he was kind of doomed from the beginning. For real, like you talk about Shane. Seriously, when people talked about Shane, that was my knock on that because if Shane's first job is Virginia Tech mm-hmm. and he fucking flops with us already being where we were, where does he go? You know what I'm saying? You got nowhere to go. So uh again, I'm I'm we ain't gotta go too far. No, not go birds, but anyway. Uh <laughs> we, we you know, that's just what I think about when it comes to the the, the coaching and Oh, he's from here. He's a coach. Like sometimes you got to spread your wings somewhere else and, and build your name, and then go back where you started. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. The other big coaching news I'm sure y'all been probably somewhat following was Jeff Halfley left BC to go to Green Bay to be the defensive coordinator. Um, which was, I mean, hey, we were in that situation last year, right? Laden the, laden the, laden the. Uh, Late in the game, and your head coach leaves. And right now, and I'm reading this, Bill O'Brien has interviewed with them. Jeff Munkin, I swear to God, if they hire Jeff Munkin, I'm going to hate our life. I'm glad we're not going to play him every run a damn triple option. Um, Paul Chris, <laughs> the old Wisconsin head coach. Troy Calhoun, um, Air Force head coach. And Al, Al Washington from Notre Dame, who's their D-line coach. I do not want Munkin. Just because we dealt with Paul Johnson for all those years, I that, that's the only one. The other ones I don't care about. I think mm, they are what they are. Y'all got any feelings on that? I'm right with you. Any anybody but Munkin is fine with me. Yeah. No triple option. Munkin, um, Munkin 
eight, whoever. I don't want nobody to run no triple option up there. Yeah, don't don't get anybody running no triple option that we got to play. But you know, BC is one of those jobs, man. That like that's always a gritty team, and it's always a you know a tough game for most people to play. But it's like I know it's got to be hard to just sustain and win there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Interested to see what they'll do. Yeah. Belichick, Belichick ain't going there. Ain't uh, going there at all. Yeah, I Robbie. mean, it, it's it's gotten even harder for them, I think, since you know when you look at the transfer portal and NIL. Yeah. I feel like you know that really put them in a bad spot. The way recruiting shifted, yeah, kind of towards late two thousands, early twenty tens, put them behind the eight ball. Before that, they were pretty damn competitive given yeah. their stature, right. um, in, in in the recruiting game in retaining talent and things like that. But once things started to shift and it became an arms race, they, they, they really that. fallen off. They weren't going to win that at all. All righty. We got one last piece to hit today because the day after we had our dream schedules that we put all of them up here, the actual final schedule was released. Um, date set um, a couple times set that we know. And I just wanted to talk with them about it. Tally wasn't here. Tally had things going on last mm-hmm. week. We're very glad to have him back this week. But, Brian, pull up that thing. And we see it there. We kick off Vanderbilt, Nashville. Brian's going. Tally's going. I'm going to try to go. They asked me the other day, what do you think, Kurt? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing next week. August <laughs> is a long ways away. Um. Then we got Marshall at home, ODU on the road, Rutgers at home, Miami, Stanford back-to-back on the road, BC's a Thursday night, Georgia Tech at home late in October, to the Carrier Dome in uh, early November, Clemson, 11-9, 11-9, remember that one. By week after that, the Duke game and the UVA game to wrap the season. So I'm going to pitch it to you boys. I'm going to pitch it to Tally first because he won't hear last week to kind of defend why he had his perfect schedule the way he had it. But Tally, looking at this schedule, what do you like? What games like you think that's a good spot? I like where that is. And what do you like first? I mean, the start of the season is good. I definitely like that Vanderbilt game being uh, the first game. For me, it's two hours away, a little less than two hours away. So – I can be there, but playing an SEC team, a lower level SEC team, I think it's a good a good call for us, a good shot for us to go show what we can do. We just got to show up and do what we need to do. Um, and then, you know, you got uh, Marshall, ODU, and Rutgers. So three teams that we played last year uh, that we I feel we underperformed in all of those games. So it's kind of a, a revenge tour on those games. You know what I'm saying? Even though we won the ODU game, I, I don't think we played to our potential. No, we didn't. So um, I think that first four games can give us a big boost moving up and going into the season. So I like that. Um, okay. Again, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, Brian, what about you? What do you like? Uh, I like that we're getting those long-ass road trips out of the way. We're going to Miami, going to Stanford. Hopefully going to beat their ass on both cases there. Um, I like getting big road trips out of the way early in the season. Um, that way we're kind of, as, as we hit towards that tail end, we're sticking close to home. Got a lot of home games on the back end, and mm-hmm. the two road trips aren't that bad. Nope, not at all. 
Uh, two of the road trips. One of them is going to be a home game. You already know that with that Duke game. Um, yep. I, I'm with Brian, and I preached this. This was on my perfect schedule. I actually, you know, I wanted Stanford early. I wanted Stanford early. I wanted Miami. I wanted them late, but I wanted Stanford early. But getting the two longest road trips out of the way is my biggest. Like, I love – I like that. I love that. I also love it that we got two buys this year, effectively, because after the Stanford game, we don't play the next weekend. It play the next Thursday. So we we, we sort of get that middle of the season. Take, take a look at that. After the Stanford game, we played six games. And in a stretch of what? How many days is that going to be, Brian? Like, trying to look here. So in a 24, in a 22-day span, we're going to play one game. 22-day span. So, we want to talk about – y'all both played six, seven games into a season. A lot of people are nicked. A lot of people are hurting. Mm-hmm. We're going to play one game in 22 days. Great point to, hey, let's get everybody healthy. Let's get these things healed up and things like that. All right. I'm going to go back to Tally again. Tally, mm-hmm. what do you hate on this schedule? What do you throw your middle finger at and throw things at the TV? What do you hate on this schedule? Man, I guess what I hate is, uh, you know, just even that stretch of that Georgia Tech. Uh, hold on. Before we talk any of that, fucking going to Syracuse is what I definitely hate. I fucking <laughs> hate that carrier dome. I don't care what kind of team they got. I don't give a fuck who is the quarterback. I don't care if they put a middle school team right there. I fucking hate going there and playing because it's always some bullshit that happens. It's always some dumbass shit that happens. I fucking hate that. But – we want to be a little bit more technical. Uh, that stretch of Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and Clemson, and even Duke, you can group them in there as well. I know they got new coaches and stuff, but that's just that's a, a lot of like nat ass teams that just fucking get in your ear and fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Georgia Tech's one of those teams, and Duke's one of those teams, and Syracuse. I know we don't know what we got, but we got to go there. And yeah. I know everybody's going to be looking forward to that Clemson game. But just all that kind of smashed in together. I don't love that. Brian? Yep. I'm uh, I'm right there with you, Tally. Um, really, you know, I can say that really that four-game stretch between Georgia Tech and Duke with the trip to the Carrier Dome being the, the bitch of it all. Um, mm. Because, you know, you hate making that trip. And then having to turn right around and play arguably the best team on your schedule right after that. Right. Yeah. Um, so that that that's kind of that's kind of my, my least favorable matchup. The only thing that's kind of helping us there is that we get that as Curtis was talking about those days to kind of gear up for that run, right? So um I think that's gonna be a saving grace in that period, but then you know, you're gonna have to to go on the road at Syracuse, never fun fucking visitor locker room at the top of the damn stadium all sorts of goofy shit like if it can't happen it will happen it's not quite odu we get stuck in an elevator but pretty much anything else is on the table um and then you got clemson coming off of that you know that that's gonna be a big game everybody's circling that one all right so it is a resounding um majority super majority win i hate playing syracuse hey hey everybody hates it. nobody likes it I hate it even doubly more that the freaking assholes down in Charlotte chose to put Clemson the game after that. Mm-hmm. The game after that. I'm like an orange that, lover. That, I love that, orange. That's too much orange. That's too much orange. We don't need that much fucking orange right. at one time. My second – now, I got a two. Y'all stuck with that. 
And even though I like going down to Miami and getting that out of the way early, I hate that that is after Rutgers. And I said it back two weeks ago. Yeah. I hate that's after Rutgers, and I hate it's a short week. Yeah. Because y'all know, and I said it, and I'll repeat myself again, Shiano is going to play very physical. Yeah. We're going to come out of that game sore. Mm-hmm. And now we got to get in a flight, go down to Miami, so you know it's going to screw up the schedule and everything for that week. That's my second mistake. But still, it's Syracuse. Um, let's look here. Y'all kind of mentioned it, the hardest stretch. I think y'all are right. Even though we get a, we do get a uh, bye week between Clemson and Duke, that stretch right there, it's like, you know, you know what, uh, what is it? Haynes King did down at Georgia Tech last year. He's mm-hmm. a good football player. Yeah. He's a good football yeah. player. Got, Got a good coach dome. too. Yeah, yeah. Good coach too. Carrier dome, <clears throat> then Clemson in town. Then you get a bye week and you got to go Natty Duke before the UVA game. So I agree. I think that is the hardest stretch of the season. Um, what game, I mean, are you, what, what, what's y'all's opinions on the Thursdays <clears throat> night games? We on Thursday night. We on uh, Thursday night, man. Thursday do. night is us. We invented you know Thursday mean? night. We Thursday. invented Thursday night. <laughs> Let's go fuck somebody up on Thursday night and quit playing. Who we All played right. on Thursday night this year? Was it Syracuse? BC? No, BC. No, last year, like this past year. Syracuse, yeah. Syracuse, yeah. okay. We fucked them up. Yeah. We did Syracuse fuck got up. fucked in the ass on Thursday night, so that's a good-ass fucking night. All right? <laughs> so, BC, get the your, coach, your coach just quit on you? No, nah, no lube. No Vaseline. <laughs> your coach done quit on you? We ain't going to quit. We going <clears> to <throat> keep pounding. Come on in here Thursday night and it's on. Metaphorically like and literally. Yeah. yeah worry <laughs> about that. But to go back kind of to what Curtis said when he's talking about the stretches, that kind of, you know, of course, the one that I said is kind of the main one. But that yeah. stretch where you go, Rutgers, then Miami, then Stanford, all the way across the fucking country, and then BC, who knows what they're going to come out in. Yeah. They might come out in some fucking – Blood socks or something. I don't know. Bandanas around their necks. I don't know what they're gonna come out in. So just that little that that is a stretch that's not I'm not loving that either. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I like the opening stretch though. I, you yeah. said it, Tally. That opening stretch is really good. See where yeah. we are. Hey. I like what uh Chris said here. That'll be a Friday night under the lights down in Miami. And it, it like you said, that, that might be the coming out party because Every, it seems like I know people hate like we're on Friday night, but usually a Friday night game, you're gonna get two to four million dies on you, maybe yeah. more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but over over overall, I, I I'm not. This isn't a terrible schedule. Like the flow isn't the flow is okay. It's not um, as bad as it could be. It's not as good oh, as it could be. But I mean, it, it's 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 definitely manageable because there's really only one team on this schedule that on paper is better than us, right? Well, right. two. Well, technically two. Technically, who's the, who's the second Te- one? Miami's technically on paper better than us. I disagree. The motherfuckers don't know how to coach them. They <laughs> they decide they're going to run the ball on third down and all you got to do is take a knee to win. I disagree that they are better than us on paper. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I understand where Curtis is coming from when he's talking about the average, probably average ranking of recruits and things like that. But, uh, I understand what Brian is coming from because we're looking at 
actual production and what we have come back. You know <laughs> what I'm you. saying? So I get that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I understand both ways of what, what we're going. But like I said, kind of going back to what Curtis says, man, like just digging in and looking at that at that schedule, like Rutgers is going to be physical. That's going to be a physical game. And then to, to go out of that and then go to Miami, yes. Oh, man. But I, I just had a like a, a flashback of us playing Rutgers this year. Mm-hmm. I think they beat us and had like 40 yards passing. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. Like, that ain't going down in lane this year, man. No. I don't know how that game is going to go, but that game ain't going like that. It ain't going like and, that. And, and I'll tell you something else is that the, the team that could have played Rutgers in this spot this year is a completely different team than played them in this spot last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we're talking about, we, and Curtis, we talking about Miami in that bowl game, in the pinstripe bowl, Rutgers beat Miami. Rutgers beat Miami. Yep. We had the yeah, same dude. record overall. Rutgers beat Miami. They are not. I, if you if we're just talking recruiting talent. rankings, if we're just talent. talking recruiting, yeah, talent, talent fine, team. talent fine. But on paper, they're not a better team than us. There we go. There we go. Okay. All right, boys. We didn't went hour nine, hour and thirty. What else? Y'all got anything else out there for tonight? Man, I'm just thankful to be back. Man, thankful to Glad be back. Know. I feel like it's been a month or four yeah, months with so many. Yeah. Uh, extra days between episodes with the off season yeah. and then you missing one it, it, it's feel yeah. like it's been you know yeah, it feels like, it feels like it's been a long time man it's good to be back i want to give a shout out to all the people who's been reaching out to me man asking about my son uh just keeping me encouraged you know all of my all of my family on twitter facebook uh youtube all of you guys that's reached out man definitely appreciate it uh definitely you know even if i don't get back to you right then i do see it I uh, want to say thank you um, to the Drones family, man, from from Kevin to Kyron to Miss Drones, all of them, man, great family. Thank you, know, mm-hmm. very thankful for them uh, reaching out and, and just giving their condolences and everything as well for my son's injury. And, and shout out to Kyron for coming on, man, and, and spending his time just talking to three old guys about how much we love Virginia Tech football. Exactly. So, Man, it's been it's been awesome, man. Um, twenty twenty four is here. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's already you know almost the middle. I hope everybody's got their uh, Valentine stuff picked out, guys. Got a week out there. I mean, if you, you, if you ain't got reservations, you need to get on that shit fast. Man. I walked through Walmart today and I seen all kind of like little bears on the floor and stuff like that. So I hope y'all got your stuff ready, man, because it's coming up quick. I got my, my wife taking a trip, birthday. so I'm, I'm excited. Where you going? Yeah, I'm going. I I can't tell because my wife might be listening. It's a complete surprise. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in the chat. She can't oh, see that. Hey, he's, <laughs> doing, he's doing it big. So he is going. Yeah, big. I got my son's birthday on the 12th. I got okay. Valentine's Day, of course, the 14th. Then I got my wife's birthday on the 27th. So. Oh my God. Every 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 February he broke is, every February. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. You sound like me, January or December to January 25th when I got. Kids' birthday, Christmas, wife's birthday, other kids' birthday. Yeah. I'm, I'm Have broken. fun with that. I'm broke at the end of the year. <laughs> All right. Well, boys, let's wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Taliban's. Visit BoundaryCornerVT.com to listen to all the episodes. Check the merchandise shop out. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, 
Um, check out Instagram. I saw there was quite a few people watching in there tonight. We appreciate you guys watching it on Instagram. Subscribe to our YouTube account. Continues to grow. Twitter went over 2,600 last week. We are really appreciative of that. Um, to all y'all following us out there. Um, Podcast-wise, we're everywhere. Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long down in the New River Valley play us in and play us out. And I know he messaged us the other week, Brian, that he is going to get back into the swing of doing some gigs now that wrestling season's over. Oh, he yeah. got a we, second we, we, finish. The farmer's Market, we back at Granite. Is he back at Granite? Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, he's doing stuff down at the farmer's market. He was down there last uh, weekend. So likely down at the uh, former Marcus down in Granton Village in Roanoke. So check him out. And you there. know what? And you know what else, Curtis? Before we get out of here, man, we got to give a shout out to Young Jack, man. Yes, Jack, no me off. He I... is doing his thing. <laughs> he is putting out some fire graphics right now. That's our young guy. That's behind the scenes. We might, hey, we might have a face reveal and show y'all Jack one day. Just know we got some stuff working. Jack is doing his thing in the background. So a lot of the graphics that you guys are seeing, a lot of the shorts that you guys are seeing, Jack's doing a great job, man. Just definitely want to give him uh, give him a shout-out and tell him we appreciate it. Yeah, Jack, we do appreciate man. Those reels you put out last week, I mean, it'd pop up and it was just – it captured it captured the conversation. The stuff you put in the background looked great, man. And you are doing a hell of a job. And we really appreciate it because – we work in, you know, eight to seven some days. So, Jack, you keep it up, man, because we know where you want to go. And with the way you got the stuff looking here, you're going to get there. All right. Anything else, boys? Oh, we good, That's man. We good to ride, man. We thank you guys for always listening. And as always, let's go. Hokies. Hokies. <laughs>